If you think you're not afraid of the dark. If you think you have a strong stomach. If you feel nothing can shock you. If you believe you've seen everything. If you say you don't scare easily. What are they? Mike Rips, the Ranchless, transmitting from the loft in Brooklyn. How the fuck are you this week? Are you doing well? I hope you are. I truly do. Well, as I always say, I'm try- every week, it's a struggle to stay balanced, especially around here. always want to be positive and less cynical, because uh, my cynicism and nihilism can get ramped up sometimes, but that's not, that's not what we're here to talk about this week. We're here to talk about a couple things. But please, if you haven't already, subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe to my YouTube page, Mike Rips. The old one's Mike Rips 203. Um, all the old songs are up there. The new one's got some new shit. Uh, follow me on all social media at Mike Rips. Check out the short story, Pull It Off. I just posted it on Tumblr. I got another one coming soon. Highwayman, all that shit. Mint Condition, Special Edition. You know the deal, y'all. Check it all out. So, over this past weekend, not too much went on. Uh, got fucking blasted on Saturday night. I won't even get into that. I did watch a bunch of movies this weekend. And uh, I think I brought up Foreigner last week with Jackie Chan and Pierce Brosnan. Maybe I did, maybe I didn't. If I'm going to skip it because if I already did, then why bring it up again? But I watched a movie I was excited to watch. Because a lot of people were saying it's John Carpenter-esque. I think some of the reviews said that. It was definitely going for that. And that was Hotel Artemis that had Batista, Jodie Foster, Charlie Day, fucking the chick from Kingsman. I don't know her, the actress's name who had the, the legs with the, the knives. Uh, who, uh, what was it? Uh, Sterling K. Brown, I think his name is. The dude from This Is Us and Black Panther. He's he's killing it. He was uh, Chris Darden on the fucking OJ series. That was good. I really liked that OJ shit when it came out. should go back and rewatch that and do that on here one time. That was very well done, especially, I think it's Angela Bassett's husband, the dude who played Johnny Cochran. He fucking bodied it. I think he got an Emmy for that shit. But yeah, this movie, and I'm not going to do this in a movie that I'm talking about and bigging up because I was pretty disappointed in it. They, the thing was good. Basically, the story of Hotel Artemis is like a ripoff of John Wick, kind of, where there's a hotel designated in the future. It's 10 years in the future from now in Los Angeles, and it's only for criminals. They pay like a fee or whatever, and they can go there and get treatment. You have to be a part of the club, and Jodie Foster runs it. And blah, 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 blah. But it was just, it didn't hit its fucking marks at all. It didn't figure out what it wanted to be. Like, John Carpenter's shit always 
he sees where he's going with it and it just goes and it's also like I had to watch his most recent movie I know he had a new one for the first time in a while but John always had the humor and the story and it all worked well they they were trying to be funny but it wasn't too funny then they tried to be serious it just didn't work and it, they squandered every attempt they made because it could have been fucking great but it was not good I would say out of five I would give it like two and a half and it definitely was trying to be John Carpenter-esque and trying to be like a Sam Raimi, John Carpenter kind of style, action-adventure crazy shit. John, Rob Rodriguez, I put those three in a certain category. There's some other ones, too. There's guys who have made movies like that that don't necessarily always make movies like that. Not that those three always make the same movie, either. But they're known for that. Those three, I would say, those three are probably my favorite directors. They're up there. John is probably my favorite director. But anyway... The thing I really wanted to get into this week is uh, I think I'm fucking done with Oscar bait. I really fucking think I am because this past weekend, uh, Brenda and I watched Call Me By Your Name and it's like another one, another one of these fucking things with no fucking story and bad writing and making caricatures, not characters, the Army Hammer character, it's like, you can't figure out if he's like a cool guy, he's kind of a douchebag, uh, you know, then the other kid, the Italian kid, he's like a pussy and he's annoying. And I don't give a fuck about the content, uh, anything like that. I've loved the movie Milk, actually. That year, though, I do think, and again, I hate playing this goddamn game of, oh, this one should have won the Oscars. Fuck the Oscars. The Oscars are horrible. They're, they've gotten very much worse over the years. But um, Calling By Your Name is total Oscar bait. It's, again, just of incoherent scenes strung together with caricatures, not characters. Not the way actual people act. The funnest part about writing and fucking creating characters and putting them in a situation is you, especially if you're writing, this is more realistic, but if you're writing like fantasy, if you're writing, you know, um, genre shit, you want to make it as, see, this is kind of, I'm more in that lane, I guess, or, you know, I want to be in that lane, I guess you could say, whatever you want to say. But when you're writing genre, like, the best thing you want to do is make it as real as possible, but add those elements of fantasy and, uh... All these movies coming out. Remember, I talked about Moonlight on this podcast. I talked about Three Billboards, whatever the fuck it was called. And all these fucking Oscar bait movies. I loved Molly's Game last year because that was Aaron Sorkin's writing. And it's funny because a lot of people shit on Aaron Sorkin's writing, his dialogue, because, I don't know, they're like, oh, it's Aaron Sorkin talking. But that's like the... That's what it is. That's what his stuff is. I think... Interestingly enough, I just drove by on 44th Street today. He's got, I think it's a version of To Kill a Mockingbird with Jeff Daniels playing Atticus Finch in it. And I believe, what's his name, wrote it for stage, Sorkin. At least that's what the fucking marquee looked like to me. But anyway, Call Me By Your Name was just boring and annoying and stupid and went nowhere. And there was like, this had a little bit more of a catharsis than something like Moonlight or Three Billboards literally had none. Three Billboards is the worst out of all these fucking movies. And it's funny, because I know a lot of people would put Shape of Water in that realm, but I don't, for some reason. I love the Shape of Water, and a lot of people, especially these right-wing motherfuckers, hated it, because it was a commie saving a fucking, uh, this girl, I don't know, or the, um, the other guy is a dick to his wife, Octavia Spencer's husband, all this kind of, uh, what they would consider, like, left-wing talking points being promoted, but 
I didn't see it like that. I just thought it was dope. I thought it was a fantasy romance story. It was like Creature of the Black Lagoon, but a new version. Even though it takes place in the past, it's like an updated version. I, I really enjoyed Shape of Water. And is that Oscar bait? I don't know, because I'm a huge Guillermo del Toro fan. He could almost be in that category with John, Sam, and Robert. <clears throat> Side note, Robert Rodriguez's next movie, that Amelia Battle Angel, I don't know. It was an old anime, and it was probably manga, too. I don't know why they're calling it Amelia Battle Angel. That's different. So, I've been going on already for fucking eight and a half minutes here about these Oscar bait movies. But I have a list pulled up here. Okay? And it's, uh, it's like the most Oscar bait movies of all time. And there's 50 of them. I'm not going to go through all 50. I also... Uh, the Golden Globes got announced, and they were talking about... I think I got that here. Yeah. Let me just do it for the gold. Let me do two lists real quick. Let me, set, let me fucking uh, veer off into another lane. Let's just do this for the Golden Globes, because this usually predicts the Oscars. Best motion picture drama. They got Black Panther. Loved it. Black Klansman. I have it saved right now to watch. I, didn't, I wanted to see it in the theater, but we didn't get a chance. We've been... The past fucking... Six months has been ridiculous. Bohemian Rhapsody, which is cool, actually, to see it nominated because the critics, it only had like a 40, I think, on Rotten Tomato. Uh, if Beale Street Could Talk, I don't know what that is. A Star is Born, which I want to see. Gaga and Brad Cooper's fucking uh, directorial debut. That's best motion picture drama. Best motion picture, musical, or comedy. Crazy Rich Asians, I want to see that bad. The Favorite, I don't know what it is. Green Book, I want to see it bad. Mahershala Ali and Vigo. And Vigo is the fucking... The actor that played Carmine Lupertazzi on The Sopranos is Vigo's character in Green Book. I'm not even going to get into that, but if you know what I'm talking about, that's that's the character. Anyway, Mary Poppins Returns. I don't know, did that have Lin-Manuel Miranda? Because I knew he was supposed to be the dude in that. I gotta, I don't know. And then Vice, which I'm dying to see as well. The Cheney shit where this guy, Christian Bale, who I think is the best actor out right now, he did the fucking uh, weight, uh, weight gaining and weight, uh, yeah, he's fat in this shit and he sounds exactly like, I just want to see it just to at least see fucking Bale's performance. Love Christian Bale. So I had this other list, like I was saying, pulled up and it's, uh, it's 50 movies, but this is, according to Ranker, the most Oscar bait movies of all time. Now, let's start. I'm just going to do the top 10. Top 10, number 10 is The Imitation Game from 2014. I remember this shit. Uh, the synopsis based on real events, biography of, po- of a popular person, protagonist is persecuted for being gay. Oh, wait, this is the one. With Benedict Cumberbatch. Never saw it. My mom saw it and liked it. Number nine is The Theory of Everything. Eddie Redmayne playing fucking uh, our boy. Rest in peace. Stephen Hawking. I did see this movie and I've read his first book. That was his biggest, you know, the big thing. The history, whatever it's called. I don't remember. I read it a long time ago now, like ten years ago. His first book, History of Reality in a Nutshell or something like that. And that movie was great. And actually, I think Eddie Redmayne won the uh, best actor for that. And I do think he actually deserved it just for the physical acting alone, especially near the end of the movie when he has the disease and everything like that. 
So number nine, Theory of Everything. I liked that. Theory of Everything was a good Oscar bait movie, as they'd say. Number eight's Hidden Figures. Uh, the lovely Brenda watched it. I not have not sat down and watched this yet. I would like to, so I really can't comment on it. I like all these actors and actresses. Octavia Spencer, fucking, uh, what's her name? <laughs> From Empire and Baby Boy. I can't believe I can't remember her name. Uh, Taraji P. Henson. And uh, Janelle Monet, who... Uh, I, I, I really like her acting. I don't like her music, but that's just me. I'm a fucking old, I'm a fucking fossil at this point. I should be buried in dirt. Uh, number seven, Schindler's List. Great. Love it. And I think it won best picture or best, it won like everything that one year, I think. And that's, that's like a really good Spielberg movie. It's not all, you know, the, uh, special effects and everything like that. Although it does have some. Six is Selma. I have I've had it saved in my fucking uh, DVR for over a year, and still haven't for two years, and I haven't watched it. I need to sit down and watch it. King's Speech. I remember this. The King's Speech is a 2010 British historical drama film directed by Tom Hooper and written by David Seidler. Colin Firth plays King George the Sixth, who to cope with a stammer sees Lionel Log, yeah, how he speaks, because he, exactly, the guy teaches him how to speak. I remember when this was out, I didn't see it, I have no interest in seeing it. Maybe one day. For Lincoln, which I did watch, and I did like, but it's it's definitely boring. I think, wasn't it, did P.T. Anderson? Oh, Spielberg fucking directed it. It's like every movie he fucking ever directed just gets Oscar consideration no matter what, because it's fucking Spielberg. Three, Twelve Years a Slave, which I liked a lot. But it's something you can only watch once because it's so hard and it's so disturbing and it's so out there and it's just and it's brutal to watch. This director, Steve McQueen, uh, I liked his movie before this with Michael Fassbender better and it doesn't get brought up enough. It was called Shame and it was about a sex addict. And uh, what was her name? Michelle Williams? Is that her name? I can't remember the actress's name. She's in it too. But... uh, that's a brilliant shame is fucking brilliant uh 12 year slave was very good but um shame and he has the one out right now widows which i want to see really bad too uh number two is moonlight i get that and again as i said about moonlight it was on the second podcast i think i talked about it it is nostalgic of that sundance channel when it first came out in 95 art house shit from the early 90s that whole movement, the indie Sundance shit. But uh, the cinematography is brilliant. It's beautiful. But the fucking thing, again, has like no clear story and kind of drags. It's just a bunch of random scenes strung together. It's too postmodern. It's too existential. I'm not into it. Number one is The Danish Girl. Again, this guy, Tom Hooper, English guy. Danish Girl is a 2015 romantic drama film directed by Tom Hooper and loosely inspired by the lives of Danish painters Lily Elby and Gerda Wegener. Uh, Lily, Eddie Redmayne. Anyway, I knew Eddie Redmayne was in this. He's a fucking good actor. But yeah, eh, this list is interesting. It has like every movie you can think of that's ever been Oscar bait, let alone the top ten. But as I said, I don't know. I'm gonna watch. I'm definitely gonna watch Widows. It's funny. I'm sitting here like, oh, I want to watch this. Well, I'm sitting here being like, fuck Oscar bait. I'm never watching any of this shit again. And then every movie, every director that comes, oh, oh, he's got a movie. I'm gonna watch it. I'm gonna watch that shit. 
<clears throat> we'll see how it goes this year. Um, but speaking of the Oscars, the biggest news of the day today is this whole fucking thing that happened with Kevin Hart. Where he was going to host it, and then they dug up some homophobic tweets, or some of his stand-up, that was homophobic, and, uh, or deemed homophobic by the, whatever you want to call it at this point. So, he, at first said he's not apologizing, and he already addressed it, and then he ended up apologizing and saying he's not hosting it anymore. Now it's going to be weird. Who the fuck is going to host this shit? Because nobody's going to want to. And it's it's funny to me because fucking uh, Chris Rock fucking hosted it, what, like two or three years ago. And I've watched both their stand-up and their movies. And Chris Rock's shit is way harder than Kevin Hart's and way more offensive. So I don't get, but I guess everyone's gotten more sensitive and more uptight and blah, blah, blah. But, uh. I don't find Kevin Hart... I like his movies because they're kind of light. It's like something you can watch with kids, a lot of them, even if they're kind of vulgar. There was one that was really bad with uh, Gas. What's his name? Zach Gas or some shit? The Wedding Ringer? That shit was garbage. The one with The Rock was pretty funny. That had Slain in it in the beginning. CIA. Did some other movies with The Rock. Uh, He's got a few. But his stand-ups, some of it was funny, but I never loved it. But I guess it's shit that he said in his stand-up, and now everyone's pissed off, and everyone's talking shit, blah, 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 blah. So he's not going to host it. I don't know who they're going to get. Are they going to get fucking Lena Dunham? Are they going to get... I mean, who are they going to get? Um, it's going to be someone like Tina Fey or someone like... Uh, what's her name? Her friend that is always on shit like that, too. They, the two of them hosted it a few years ago. Was that the Grammys? I can't remember. I'm always watching these things because the lovely Brenda, she works in fucking 7th Avenue, Fashion District, Garment District, Fashion Avenue, whatever you call it. And I always have to watch the red carpet. That's the thing. But, you know, everyone, of course, has their fucking panties looking like a bloody Rorschach test right now. That's what the entire Academy feels because of this Kevin Hart thing. And it's funny because I saw, like, Ari the Rugged Man made a tweet about it earlier today. And it's funny because he talks about a lot of shit on Twitter. And this one got, like, a lot of responses and likes and shit like that. But it was something about the Kevin Hart shit and telling them what to do and blah, 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 blah. And then people were fighting back and arguing. And I'm like, shit, people are really bugging on this thing. All I got to say about it is whatever. The jokes weren't funny, first of all. I'm sorry. But fucking uh, maybe there's more to it and I didn't hear the whole shit. But uh, I think... Any kind of writing, whether it's writing novels or writing comic books or writing movies or fucking writing stand-up, any of that kind of shit, it's all off limits as far as, uh, you know, where you want to go and how dark you want to get. It's like, they want to, what if you want to write a character that's a villain that's like a racist scumbag? You what, you can't do that anymore? That That's insane, you know? Or what if you want to write like a fucking uh, anti-gay person? You're writing, you're writing a novel, and you want to make a villain. And I want to make my villains as bad as possible, so that should be in there. They've made it to a point now where if you even mention this shit, people get mad. At least from my vantage point, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. But again, fuck the Oscars, fuck all that shit. I don't find 
uh, writing and film and writing novels or movies or comics or any of this shit to be something that you can really put against each other. And then we always go back to the same fucking talking points like, oh, this one won, that one didn't, blah, blah, blah. Always the same bullshit. It's not like a boxing match where it's decisive who won. Well, actually, what the fuck am I talking about? Did you guys see last Saturday? You saw last Saturday with the heavyweight fight. It's kind of cool because it's got so much legs at this point, and everyone's still talking about it. And Deontay and Tyson went and did uh, all types of media coverage about it after the fight. We saw what happened. 12 rounds went to the cards, which I said last week that I thought Fury couldn't lose on the cards, but he did. He got knocked down twice, once in the ninth, once in the 12th. And he thought he was dead in the 12th. I was like, oh, it's over. It's done. And he got up. Of course, there was all the memes and everyone talking about that he looked like the Undertaker. But it was a draw. And one of the guys had it wildly scored insane. Like, what was it? It's like 115 to 111 Wilder. Which makes no fucking sense. Like, Wilder... Wilder won the two rounds where he got the knockdowns, and then he won, I think, what was it, like the third maybe? He won or the fourth? He won another round. But Fury completely dominated him boxing-wise, which I knew would happen. Like, he's a much better... I think Fury and all these heavyweights, unless Usyk, who's cruiserweight, unless Usyk moves up, Fury's the most talented boxer out of all these guys. He's better than Joshua. I'm trying to think of all the heavyweights. I used to think Povetkin was good, and then Joshua knocked him out. Uh, I don't know. I used to think Joseph Parker was good, and then, uh, what's his name? Joshua beat him. Close, UD. Or was it UD? I don't remember. Anyway, I'm happy about the fight when it happened. I enjoyed it. Uh, I do think if it's going to points, Fury won. Uh, but still, I think the, I think people are, you know, that are just bugging about it. The two knockdowns count for a lot, in my opinion, but still, if you want every other round, but those, then maybe, you want, I don't know, maybe that's probably why they call it a fucking draw. They call it a fucking draw because they want to have a rematch and make more money. That's what's going on here. And the rematch will be even bigger. I see a lot of articles here, like on Forbes. It's so they're saying here that it sold uh, three hundred thousand to three hundred twenty-five thousand buys on pay-per-view, which I guess is pretty big for this. It's Wilder's first pay-per-view, I think. That does mean probably the next one will get like five hundred thousand because this thing has so much fucking legs behind it. I guess they're gonna fight again. I I think they should fight in England now. And I think Wilder will do it, probably, because he's fucking nuts. And there's going to be more money involved next time. So it's an exciting time in the heavyweight division. Now we'll see also who's going to... AJ's going to fight in uh, April. He's going to fight whoever wins for this uh, Dillian White versus Derek Chisora, which is going to be White. I have love for Derek Chisora, but... Dillian White's been showing a lot of... <clears throat> he beat... What's his name? Joe Parker, Right? I can't remember. I've been watching this shit, and shit just flies by. Weeks fly by. Last weekend, also on the you know, not as many people talked about it. The I guess the hardcores, as they say, talked about it. Where it was, uh, not even hardcores. This was a good fight, and I was excited about it. I think I brought it up last week. The Alexander Zvodic versus Donna Stevenson, and it delivered. 
And at first, Stevenson looked good, and he was beating Gizvodic on the first early rounds, and then I knew he would kind of get worn out because he's 41, and Gizvodic is 31, 10 years younger. He's a better boxer. He's Ukrainian. That whole crew of Usyk, Gizvodic, and Lomachenko, who Lomachenko fights tomorrow night on ESPN versus Jorge Pedraza. And people were asking for this fight a while ago. It was, it was better that Jose Pedraza, I'm sorry. Fucking, um, people wanted this fight even before the uh, Linares one. But we saw that first. Linares knocked him down. I, I don't know, but this, I, Jorge Linares, that's why I said that. Linares is better than fucking uh, this guy, Pedraza. So, I don't know. I just watched Teddy Atlas give his opinion about it on SportsCenter, actually. Uh, and he said that he think it'll be uh, UD, Lomachenko. But I think maybe it's going to be another one of those fucking quit on the bench, quit on the fucking stool kind of things. But back to that, Zvodic versus Stevenson. I think it was the 11th or 12th because Zvodic knocked Stevenson the fuck out and knocked him out cold. And Stevenson was fucked up. And he was fucked up in the ring, but then he stood up and he got out. And then he ended up going to the hospital in critical condition and everything. But he's stable now. He suffered a severe traumatic brain injury, according to BBC. I think he's got to be done now. That's it. That was it. And he's had those belts for five years up there in Canada. I think I brought it up. He didn't really. He fought outside. I think once with the belts. He didn't want it with all those other guys. But anyway, Adonis Stevenson is a champion certainly, and it was sad to see what happened. But I think he's all right now. One last thing before I sign out on y'all. I think I fin. This is probably between audio books on tape, audio books, and books that I read. This is, I think, the twenty fifth or sixth book I finished this year, and I just started one that's very long. So I'm gonna count that for next year. But uh, I did this one. That's one of the Black Mask boys. I've talked about Black Mask magazine and uh, Hardboiled Noir endlessly on this podcast. This was from one of the lesser-known guys named Roger Torrey, who started out as, like, a blue-collar working-class guy. He was a um, lumberjack, and he did some other odd jobs and stuff like that, and he wrote on the side until, I guess, he submitted and got on. I don't know his exact whole history. This is his only novel. It's called 42 Days of Murder, and it's about a guy named Sean Connell as the detective in it. And it's cool because he has a little sidekick who's a younger guy who's kind of a nerd, but he wanted to be in, like, you know, working in crime. His name's Lester. And basically, someone he knows who's his boy, who's Sean's boy, comes with his this guy's boy who's a... Uh, He's divorced, his wife's divorcing him, he doesn't know why, and he's upset about it, and he can't find it, she won't even talk to him, and anything like that. So they're hiring a private detective to try and find out why. But then it unfolds into an entire complex story about crime, it takes place in Reno, Sean Connell is in uh, San Francisco, it's a... it's an engaging book. One thing I do have to complain about, honestly, I got this bizarre version of it that's just some online. It's called Black Mask Online. There were so many goddamn typos in this. I don't know if they just transcripted it themselves and were fucked up and drunk when they were doing it some nights, but it was hard to follow at some points because they kept fucking up bad. But it's it reminded me of something like a Raymond Chandler thing. You hear that? You know, it never ends in fucking Brooklyn over here on Graham Avenue. I do recommend this. And Roger Torrey had a bunch of other stories published in Black Mask. uh, On and on and on. 
short stories, which there you can get them all online. It's all public domain at this point, you know? But on that note, check out 42 Days of Murder. 42 Days for Murder. I keep saying of murder. That's what I even Googled. 42 Days for Murder. Roger Tory. Also, if you get a chance, I think it's going to be online free in a minute, that uh, Tyson Fury versus Deontay Wilder fight. Watch that. The heavyweight division is live right now. Joshua Fury, Wilder, Dominic Brazil, Derek Chisora, Dillian White, Joseph Parker. There's a lot of guys moving around. And that light heavyweight division where you got Bivol, Zvodic, fucking... Uh, you had Adonis Stevenson. You had Andre Ward. You had, what's his name, Kovalev. Uh, you got that the dude from Colombia that lives in uh, fucking... Where does he live? He lives in fucking uh, Canada. Anyway, I'm just on a tangent right now. I think this fucking bullet and PBR is kicking in. Love y'all. Peace.